Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, as always, Jamie Wagner. Good to see you. You as well, man. Um, we're about to see each other for real in person once again, um, which obviously we're excited about. We're heading to Baton Rouge, Louisiana to take in a football game this weekend. Um, going to be an awesome experience. And we're, we're going to maybe experiment with some things for the podcast. We'll let you know. You'll see it potentially down the road. Um, but I am excited to, think, to be in person and try some things. I think they call that a teaser in the business, Jamie. That is ah, a little we're teaser. getting better at this. We're Putting getting better carrot at this. Out thing. There? Okay. Hey, another thing that I think is worth noting, you and I kind of in passing, I think this has happened to us along the way, but uh, we should take uh, a moment to stop and pause and say, hey, you know what? We hit a milestone. Uh, we crossed the 10,000 listens, you know, which as I saw that number continue to grow, Jamie, and it was like, oh, 10,000. And there was a part of me, and this is this is why we do what we do, right? But it was the struggle of like, well, yeah, but some podcasts get 10,000 in like 12 hours yeah. or an episode. <laughs> but, you know, for us from the start, you know, from where we were to where we are now, I'm super proud of the fact that we got to that milestone and that we've continued to grow. And we certainly couldn't have done it without our listeners first and foremost. And then also our guests that continue to bring incredible good juice every single time we talk. Well, and to, like, if you had told me at episode three, that that was going to be a milestone we'd hit, I'd have been like, yeah, that's probably not likely at this point in time because well, and then that's just in one platform or you know in a couple of different platforms that are right. combined so there there are other listens somewhere else and like that it's it's a really cool experience to know that we're bringing value and that people continue to show up um and like you said our guests have been awesome today's guests no different amanda meyerberg um we love getting to have these conversations about the the ins and outs of of performance and we bring in experts to help us do that. She's an expert, a sports psych, has a, a business, a game sports and performance um, in Sarasota, Florida. So if you're down there and you need some influence, some help in this area, I think obviously go and reach out to her. But she brought us some some really tangible stuff. I wanted to dig in a little bit. I wanted to go down into the granular. And I think we were able to do some of that. So as people, you know, we've had some of these conversations before. And so as people are looking for, well, what can I do? I think there are some answers in here that Amanda was awesome enough to provide for us. And uh, hopefully there's, there's some takeaways that people can start applying in, in the day-to-day. No, I love that, Jamie, that you were intentional about digging a little bit deeper. Because there are times certainly where you and I finish a conversation and we're like, man, that was a really cool, powerful conversation. How do we apply it? What do we yeah. even do? And then, you know, for you as a listener, it might even be a little bit harder, but Today, I, like you said, tools, tangible, you can apply something that she talks about today to your life, well, no matter what you're trying to, to accomplish. So I'm excited for it. You're going to get better today. We got better. Here we go. Amanda Meyerberg, owner, A-game sports performance consulting, uh, the Tampa Bay area, works with the Tampa Bay Cannons, uh, ultimate Frisbee team. We got connected through Will Drumright, multiple time guests on our show. Awesome guy. Welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you. 
thanks for inviting me and Will, if you're listening, thanks for passing my name along. Oh, you know, Will is listening. He's an yeah. avid listener for sure. <laughs> no, Amanda, it's, it's great to have you. Um, maybe just kick it off a little bit with, so a game, talk a little bit about that. You know, where did the yeah. name come from and what are you doing? Yeah. So a game, um, sport and performance consulting is my business where I work with athletes on the mental performance side of sport. So athletes can range from middle school, high school kids, all the way to college and pro. Um, I just love sports. So it's perfect. I get to talk to different athletes, different sports every day. Um, the name came about, well, one, my name's Amanda. So it's always kind of been kind of like, my dad's always said like, Hey, bring your A game, which meant bring your, whatever Amanda game you're bringing that day. (laughs) And so, um, it just kind of, it's just something like I've, I've said, my family's always said for years, and I know a lot of people say that, but that's just my personal connection to the name. <laughs> that's awesome. So I think that this, I, we've obviously interviewed a lot of people in the field and we've had many conversations about what sports psych does and can mm-hmm. trigger and, and all those good things that, that we get to. I think I'm more interested in some of the personal stuff. What drew you specifically to this field because you know like for us we all have our own origin stories in these places and i think that's what's interesting because there, there's clearly a trigger moment there's a, a thing that lets it be real to you what was that for you and why did you you know not just the sports thing that we love it we're athletes we're here but why was it valuable in your own personal experience yeah so i actually told the story like two days ago which is so it's like fresh on my mind which is nice. hilarious Um, so like going all the way back to high school, um, and kind of when my dad is a doctor and was in the military. So he's a very, like, you need to have your path in place type of person. And so senior high school, he's like, what are you going to major in? I'm like, that's a really good question. No idea. Um, I was like, we'll figure it out when I figure it out. He's like, no, that's not going to fly. You need to figure this out. And so we're going through some things. Um, and just so happened like we were watching like he was watching something about tiger woods because back in the day tiger 2003 is when i graduated high school tiger woods is huge at that point (laughs) um talked about how he had been seeing a sports psychologist or something along those lines i don't remember exactly what was said about it (laughs) and so i was like that's a job like what is that and so we sort of looked it up and you know like hey get a degree in psychology and kind of go from there, explore it. So part of it was also my dad being a doctor. I, he had taken me around the hospital. I do not like blood. I do not want to do surgery. I do not want to do any of that. So that was out athletic training. Don't want to touch people's feet, wrapping ankle. Don't want to do that. I love all the athletic trainers out there, but that was just not for me. Um, and so this seemed to kind of fit within my wheelhouse a little bit more of like staying connected to sport, but it just in a different way where I wasn't just being pigeonholed into one sport. Well, I love volleyball. That's how I played in college. Um, I also grew up playing many different sports. So I wanted the opportunity to interact with as many athletes as possible. (laughs) So that's kind of the roundabout answer, how I got interested in this field. (laughs) Nice. So that's how you got interested. What's your, what's your passion now? Cause like, I think we all have certain types of athletes or certain skills, you know, that we like to specifically like, Oh, that's my ideal client in terms of, and client is, I don't love that word, but that's the, that's the person that I want to help 
reach their A game, their pinnacle. Mm-hmm. What is that for you? Who is that? Who Describe that person. Right now in this moment, I love working with high school athletes, early college athletes that just trying to get to that next level, not sure how. <laughs> Those are my favorite types of athletes. Um, specifically, I love working with tennis players. Volleyball is my sport. I grew up playing tennis as well um, okay. and basketball. Those are kind of my three big sports I love working with. Um, if I didn't say ultimate, my ultimate players would be very upset at me if I didn't say that I love working with them too. But those, that's kind of my, my niche of like those high school athletes that all of a sudden just like flip that switch. Like, Hey, I think I can play college. Like, how do I do that? And just helping them progress through their own journey with sport and getting them to where they want to (laughs) go. So I think it's interesting. You kind of said, you know, blood is not for me. I'm not a doctor in that space. <laughs> uh, feet and taping and that sort of stuff isn't for me. Like we, you admit in your own journey, like there's this really personal component where we all have our own unique sort of needs as we go through and things that are going to trigger and work for us. When you're working with a high school athlete, clearly that's going to be true of them too. What are you looking for to like to find those points in to say your story is unique how do you get to the your story's unique part for them to realize they have unique gifts and skills and traits that they bring to the table yeah each one's a little bit different um i might talk about the same type of concepts like goal setting confidence building handling pressures all those things but each time i talk to an athlete i'm like hey this is your individual like journey within sport you have to own this you have to find a way that is going to work for you versus I can give you all these tools but not all of them are going to work exactly for you same thing like if a coach tells you like for volleyball like hey like do this approach do it this way like swing your arm this way like for the most part it all works in general but the way your body type is, it might not work exactly. And you have to figure out with your own body type, how, how's that going to work in your sport? Same thing with the mental approach. You have to find, okay, here's all my general tools, which one in which situation is going to work best for me. And then with their unique journey, I, I, always, like one of the things my athletes will roll there. I always tell everyone to own it, like own whatever you got. Like if like, for me, I, don't like blood. I'm going to own it. Like, yeah. And my dad will laugh about it. And my brother will laugh about it. But so yeah, they just have to, it, within working with them, just own whatever they come up to. <laughs> so how, how do you empower them to do that? Because I think as a society, I was just listening actually to a, as Trent Dilfer on, on a podcast, he was talking about, he's an NFL quarterback, high school. Yeah, I, coach I, know, I know Trent Dilfer. <laughs> yeah, I Bay. I knew you did. I'm just saying some of our listeners might not. Know. That's very true. Yeah. So anyway, but I was listening to him and, he, and the question to him was something about the complexities of offenses and if they work in college and the NFL and all of those things. And his answer was something that struck me certainly in the sports side, but in, in life too, where it's like, he said, we're always drawn to the cool, shiny thing, the new thing that everybody says, this is going to work. And so then most of us try that new thing or whatever thing we think is for us at that time. And when it doesn't work, it's like, well, oh, I'll just try another thing or that thing, you know, wasn't or actually I'm deficient, valuable. right? Or it doesn't deficient. work for me. Yeah. I'm the problem here. Yeah. Whereas I think what you're saying is so powerful that you say, Hey, find out what it is for you and how it works for you. But 
I guess my question in all of that is how do you empower people to say it's okay to not do it like everybody else? And how do you find that thing that works for you? Well, one, the first thing I do, at least when working with clients is first, I have to listen to what they're telling me. (laughs) You know, I have to listen to what their story is, what their situation is. And if I can't understand that, I can't help them. Mm-hmm. and understanding because everyone's athletic journey like is so different and if I'm putting my own perspective on it I'm not listening to theirs so part of helping them learn how to own it is just listening to them and listening to their story and not putting my own story on top of theirs like and letting them one of the things I especially with my high school athletes is telling them failure is not the end all be all it's a learning experience. And I know that's such a cliche to say, but helping them understand that there's tomorrow, there's always a tomorrow. There's always that next play. There's always that next game. Um, What can we do to learn from that? And then when they start, and it's funny as a, like a mental performance coach, you can see that light bulb moment when all of a sudden, like they hear it and all of a sudden it clicks for them where they're like, Oh yeah. Like I learned from that. I didn't dwell on that. I was able to move past that. That's when they start owning their own stuff versus listening to the mistakes, listening to that, like inner voice, like inner critical voice in their head. And so letting them own their, their own journey and how they're going to get through that. But the first part is for me to listen so then I can help them. And the second part is for them to really not be afraid to make mistakes and failure and trying things out because with the mental side and finding that those little things, they have to be willing to, some of these are going to fail on you. Like, yeah, you just have to try it. It's almost like being a, um, almost like being like a science scientist per se, you're going there, like you're your own experiment. Like, Hey, let me try this today. Is this going to work? Is this not like, and why? (laughs) So there's just so much in there that I have thoughts about and want to unpack the first one. And hopefully we don't just end up way down the road on, on each one of these. Cause I have a tendency to do that. But the first one is like, we know, right. Working with athletes, working with leaders, working with people, the real work isn't in our time together. It's in their individual time when they're doing the experiment, when they're yeah. being the scientist, but so many people walk away from an experience with a leader in the field or where they've been told, Hey, go try this. And they feel like they can't because mm-hmm. they don't know how to implement the thing. They don't know what the next step is. They, they do something and it fails and then they stop. How do you create a system? How do you create for your athletes, for your clients, an opportunity to walk away from a session and feel like, Hey, I can try this. I can do this thing. Do yeah. you create any systems or tasks or anything like that? Cause I think anybody listening right now is going, yeah, this all sounds great, but how do yeah. I do it? Right. Yeah. So actually it's funny you brought that up. Cause that's literally what I was doing yesterday with the client. Like it kind of triggered in my mind. Like when you asked that question, um, he's a runner and, um, you know, wants to, you know, get to that next level, but he's injured right now. And so yeah. we're like, okay, like, let's think about all the things we can like, first off, it's like, okay, what can we do right now where we are? <laughs> and so the system starts like being honest with where you're at. Because if you're not honest with that, then you're setting yourself up for failure really quickly. And so um, 
part of that is goal setting is in setting manageable goals that not only might, they might be at first easy, you know, but that's that confidence building, motivation building type goals. Um, So like for him, it's like, hey, I can't go run, but I can do 30 minutes on the bike, keep up my cardio. I can um, eat healthy right now and like get that foundation of eating healthy. I can do a little bit of like yoga for this and that, and like putting that all in place that it's easy for him to meet those goals. And then we're like, okay, in two weeks, we're going to reevaluate that. Do we need to adjust it higher? Do we need to adjust it lower? Like turn up the volume, turn it down. What's going to work for you? And so starting off a little bit lower and scaling up. Yeah. And I think so, so much we get excited about those new things. Like you said, the shiny new things, but that might be above our scale where we're at right now. And it maybe that's something to work up to versus going right there, right off the bat. Well, and Jamie, I'm going to let you get back to your string of questions, but <laughs> on that note, the other thought that I had was, you know, the shiny new thing mm-hmm. might get us part of that goal that we're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. But also, and this is live eyes up, right? Is figure out where you're going, where mm-hmm. and the steps to get there, and don't lose sight of that. Because mm-hmm. I think there are times where that new shiny thing it may benefit us in the short term in part of that goal. Yeah. But if we don't look at the end goal and say this is where I want to end up, mm-hmm. then that new shiny thing might not get us to that point. And yeah, so that's just something to keep in mind. Go ahead, Jamie. Well, it's just this. It's the idea of. of- big shiny goal, big picture goal long-term. Yep. And then we got to get into the process, right? We got to dig mm-hmm. into process specific goals. And I love that you said, let's check back in in two weeks. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that is really an empowering thing to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to set some low goals knowing that I'm going to reach them and it's going to create and build some confidence. And then two weeks later I can, you know, we had a guest on that said, rinse them, you know, I'm going to rinse them. I'm going to I'm going to do the next one, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go and rebuild that thing. And I think that's really powerful. You talked about you needing to listen to the mm-hmm. athletes. How mm-hmm. powerful is it? And then not placing your story on top of it. How powerful mm-hmm. is it for the athlete to need to listen to themselves, like to know their own story and kind of be able to shut out the things that they put on top of it, whether it's our Instagram feed or our social media, like, oh, I'm not doing it right because so-and-so is doing it differently. Um, How, yeah, like, that's just a huge conversation right now in our world, but how do you then shut that noise off for a client or for an athlete to say, I, that's, that's, listen to yourself. Yeah. So what it's funny. So like, again, it's, scaling things up. So like the beginning is me listening. And then part of it is reframing back what they told me. Sure. And so one of my athletes, one of my high school athletes told me like a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I know you're about to drop, drop a knowledge bomb on me when you say like, Oh, this is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And it's usually just me repeating back to what they just told me just in a different, slightly different way and confirming with them if that's what's happening or not happening. And so for them to hear it from me to them, they can confirm that story mm-hmm. and they can say yes to that. And yeah, so, I think, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. I, so I think that, that that leads me to this 
the the last big kind of question I have in this in this trigger, right? <laughs> is when we are in the middle of performance, right? We want to minimize like quality judgments, mm-hmm. right? We want to we want to take out this is good, this is bad, I'm good, yeah. I'm bad, that yeah. sort of stuff. And being able to remove the story, reframe the story for yourself and hear like, is this actually, we, you know, we have a, a exercise we do with people where it's like, what actually happened, right? Not the yeah. story you're telling yourself, but what actually happened sort of yeah. thing. And like removing the quality judgment, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like getting that in the moment feedback is so vital to yeah. like our capacity to grow and get better. Mm-hmm. So how do we, I don't know, this is a, this is a giant question that I'm just curious about for sports, like in general, like, mm-hmm. cause we've had these conversations. I'm just like, I'm a student and I want to learn about yeah. is this, what does it look like to remove uh, judgment and mm-hmm. be open to feedback at the same time? That just feels that's the million really dollar question. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> You know, if I could get every athlete to do that in the moment in like, you know, like it's, it's so hard, you know, even myself, like when I go out for a run, I have to scale back the judgment in terms of like looking at my garment and be like, oh, I'm not the pace I want to be, or I'm not the pace I was pre pandemic and all those thoughts, but you, you hit on thoughts in general, and I'll kind of go into that. So one of the things like during competition, there's three types of things you can really do with your thoughts. Like just in general, not even at competition, you can ignore your thoughts completely. Like think about all the thoughts you have in a day and how many you don't actually think about ever again. (laughs) You know, you can challenge those thoughts so you can reframe it, challenge it. Like, why am I thinking like that? And it might take a little bit of, you know, practice in order to learn how to challenge those thoughts. And then the last one, which I don't recommend during competition, but more on reflection side is like deep diving and understanding why you had those thoughts. (laughs) Because if you can understand that away from competition, it prepares you for competition a little bit more. (laughs) So can you break us into the challenge portion a little bit? I like, can we do that quickly? Is that something you would advise in competition a little bit? Or like, can you just talk about even maybe an example of what that would look like? Yeah. So, um, the challenge challenge system a little bit is, um, within that it's one recognizing what thought ha- just happened. <laughs> like, and then from there stopping it. So it's that re- like that stop, stop thought kind of thing. Some people picture of stop signs. Some people ask themselves a question at that point. Um, and then it's replacing it with something that's going to be helpful. <laughs> So when you challenge something, it's not just challenging the thought, but it's also replacing it with something that's going to be helpful in those moments. So it could be like something along for um, my ultimate players where they're just like, you can visibly see it on their face and definitely dropped a couple like four letter words here and there. Like, can't believe I just effing did that, like whatever. And um it's replaying in their head. So when we're not challenging it, it keeps replaying. So that's where that stop portion is so important to like stop it and then replace it with something else. Like, and that's where the challenge comes in. So when you replace it, it should be something either psychological based in terms of like 
a thought that's going to motivate you kind of like give you a little bit of confidence boost. It might be some sort of just phrase you tell yourself over and over. It could be something technical like, Hey, I just needed to, um, adjust my arm a little bit here and there. So I didn't get hand blocked or, um, the last part is tactical. It could have been a strategy based thing. Like, Hey, he boxed me out. I need to get in front of him <laughs> type thing. So at first, if that's a lot to think about, that's a long process, but the more you practice it, the quicker it becomes. <laughs> and well, so it becomes a little bit more automatic. <laughs> and then, like you said, the third step is not necessarily in competition, the reflection of the, why did I have that thought? You know, yeah. because that plays into the, the being able to challenge it and replace it too, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we don't know why and where that the source of that is coming from, mm -hmm. yes, we can replace it for a period of time, but how, unless we get to that source, it's yeah. just going to keep happening. You yeah. know, it's going to happen over and over. And so, even, no matter how many times we replace the stop and replace it, yeah. So, the, so it all kind of works together. So, like any sport, you have to practice before you just get on the field. Like it doesn't doesn't really work that way. We're like, Oh, I'm just automatically an amazing athlete. I'm going to win nationals at ultimate, <laughs> um, for anything. Like you don't just step on a field. You have to practice those things and scale it up so that when you are in those pressure moments, you're able to rely on what you have. So the quality clearly is in the granular. So I'm going to go one step deeper <laughs> here. I'm going to, I'm going to dig in a little bit. So what are we doing to identify those things? Cause a lot of those thoughts are let's face it, automatic and subconscious. They've been mm -hmm. built in through a ton of practice over time, right? This yeah. is my response when something goes wrong. How do we then get granular and say, I didn't notice that it was happening with the thought, but maybe I noticed an emotion that was triggered out of that, or here's my physical response out of that. Like, what are we looking for to help us work backwards in the reflection process or to in the challenge moment. Cause I think I, this is, this yeah. is gold if we can dig into it. Yeah. So a lot of that, like, so finding out it's almost working backwards. So most athletes come to me because they're like, Oh, I'm not performing as well as I should. So they know something's not right <laughs> a lot of times. So usually most people identify the outcome, like, Oh, I'm not performing well. I'm not doing that. So then you work backwards from there and kind of like, okay, well, what caused us not to perform well? Like, was there a pressure moment? Was there a thought? Was there um, energy level? Was it your body language? Was it your thoughts? Like all those things. And so it's like working backwards a little bit from there and then getting to those, like, if we're talking specifically about thoughts, like a golfer I was working with, um, we put a bunch of like paper clips in his, um, one pocket and anytime he noticed that he was not having a thought that's going to be helpful. So not necessarily a positive or negative. I don't like labeling the positive or negative, but just one that's not helpful in that moment, he would have to switch the paper clip from one pocket to the other. And then that way he was like, Oh, you know how, like he had 10 and 10 paper clips on one pocket. He's like, do you know how many times I switched between pockets? Like, he's like, I must've did it about six times during a round. And so that awareness piece and the fact that he had to engage with it helped stop it and then helped him realize he could replace it with something. 
Well, and that's confidence building, I would imagine, too, right? Oh, I'm now noted. Like, look at how many times I noticed. Look at how many times I stopped. Well, I don't know if it was confidence building, but like, oh my God, like, I can't, like, is this normal? <laughs> and that's like, it's normal for you and we'll work on. Yeah, so at we least scaffold get, up. Yeah, it gets to a baseline. Yeah. So this paperclip idea leads me to something that, that I've seen you talk about and I've heard you talk about is this idea of art and science, right? I'm sure there's not a ton of science that is like, yeah, paperclips, that's the way to do this, right? Yeah. Anything that we do, right? I'm a te- I was a teacher for a long time and, and like, you know, I read a book called The Art and Science of Teaching This Idea. Like everything that we do is both of those things. How do we, you know, again, like we want to empower people that they don't, get a coach, get somebody to walk you through this stuff. Like that's our, our message, help, find help, seek feedback, but maybe those resources aren't available to you at this moment in time. Maybe you don't know where to go. How do we give people that are just out in their daily lives? Maybe they're not training for a sport, but they want to be better in their business or career, whatever. Some of the art that is working through some of this stuff, because the science is relatively available Buy a book, like yeah. go to your website and you're going to find things go to, you know, we'll put you on things. If you're curious, email mm-hmm. us, email any of us, we will put yeah. you on to, to the science of things. But where does, where do we balance this art piece that is experiment, try, do yeah, yeah, be a scientist, so but there's multiple st- stages here. The art. So my mentor back in the day, Jody Ambor, amazing. She worked at the university of Miami, talked a lot about the art piece and she's like, it's not like, art in the sense of like you're drawing a picture you're making photography she's like it's not like it's the creativity Hmm. and so she's like creativity is the art of it and part of that is understanding what the limitations are so like with golf you know you can have paper clips in your pocket if you're playing basketball probably not there's no pockets yeah you know volleyball not not no, no pockets so within those limitations, can you do something similar, but in a different way? And so sometimes our limitations force us to be creative in those, those avenues and um, get us to think a little bit differently, like within this situation we're in, this box we're in, like, okay, this is what I have, now what? We wanna get to this, we have the science aspect, we wanna get you to stop thinking like this and the stop thought, um, thought process but what can we do? So like volleyball might be a rubber band on your arm. It might be a sweatband. It might be, um, you know, just having a word written on your, your glove for like baseball or something. So, so a lot of it's a little bit within the restraints of the sport as well. So she's like, it's the creativity part of it and not being afraid to try something and it not because that's what art is. She's like, do you know how often painters just leave things just in their studio that never gets seen. (laughs) Same thing with sport. We need to be able to try things and it might not work and it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, but it all, and again, it all comes back to what works for you in that environment and Mm -hmm. to getting to that place of, we have to be curious. We have to experiment. We have Mm -hmm. to try and then trust that it's going to be okay. That foundational belief that, Mm -hmm it's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Even if it doesn't work out. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So I, I need to ask this question for my own personal thing and maybe we'll, I knew we were going to get there. I knew we were getting, Um, 
on your website in your bio it says the first song at your wedding was Foo Fighters Everlong. Yep. I need to know studio version or the acoustic version. Acoustic version was our our first dance song. Yeah. So I undertook the process of learning to play guitar very deeply uh, during the pandemic last summer. I, I contributed many many hours to getting better at guitar and. The acoustic version of Everlong is one of, I am a very novice, very minimal skill mm-hmm. guitarist, but Foo Fighters Everlong, one of my absolute favorite songs to play on the acoustic yeah, guitar. My so I had I, to go there. Yeah, it was one of the first bands we both kind of bonded over. And we've at this point seen them twice live. We saw them once at Fenway, which was the nice. best experience ever. Our seats were literally like so they had seats on the field we didn't get those but we got one that was literally behind home plate which was awesome at Fenway yeah I Foo Fighters Everlong is a strange first dance song just period but if you listen to the lyrics like I'm a big fan of these like juxtaposed lyrics where it's like oh it's a really sad song but it's in a real popular like gin blossoms hey jealousy Mm -hmm. now I'm really like in the 90s right now I apologize to everyone listening that's a dark song I'm all for it that is a dark song with a real poppy hook right Foo Fighters Everlong is a different song like super joyful song right like in the moment like I want to feel this good anyway those of you that are listening, thank you for indulging my curiosity about this because I saw it and I was like, that is awesome. I need to I actually have a Foo Fighters poster hanging in my office right now. Like I will this is, move my this is all the good stuff right, right there. there. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so it's there. So awesome. Amanda, well, before we let right. you go, okay. um, you know, one of the things we like to ask people because you are in the business of helping grow people and helping them to get better. And one of the things that we are always interested in, and I think that's helpful to our listeners sometimes is what's growing you, whether it be a book, a podcast, just what's, what's something right now that you are engaged in that is you're finding helpful. Because again, I think we get so used to telling people kind of what, what they can do and then, but we're also doing the work for ourselves. So curious. Yeah. So for me, um, I'm more of a, like, do things, find the lesson later type person. Like, so well, I love reading books. Like I'm one of the weird people in sports psych like, that doesn't love reading like the like self-growth books. I don't like it <laughs> for me. I like, if I'm going to read, it's going to be for entertainment Yeah. Um, type thing. But training for a half marathon right now, that definitely puts, puts me in a place where I had to practice what I preach <laughs> and seeing how it works for me. Um, the other thing is one of my really, actually this morning, one of my really good friends is a yoga teacher and she does like zoom yoga things. Um, and she like, and that's been challenging me in a different way. So like, as being a former athlete, I always feel like I have to engage in activity and movement and sport in some sort of way to stay connected. And that allows me to try things and keep that creativity a little fresh. So like my friend Lauren this morning, she kept preaching, um, you know, like you're doing like a, like standing bend. And she's like, okay, I want you to lean forward and lean forward and lean forward. She's like, get up to your edge. She's like, don't go past your edge, but get up to the edge where you're not going to pull over. And so challenging yourself in that way. And that helps me use that analogy with my athletes as well. And so merging a lot of different ideas like that. I also like listening to just 
random podcasts. I listen to a lot of movie podcasts. I listen to so many random things that like, that kind of comes in with the art and the science of it. Like I'll read the science of stuff. Like I'll read journal articles. I'll read that type of stuff for that. But then I'll watch movies. I'll watch TV shows and think about like, okay, how can I use this and engage my, my athletes in a different way? (laughs) Well, I, I listen to Craig Rochelle leadership podcast and he mm-hmm. talks about there's three things we need to do, right? One, we have to be, pay attention to what we're consuming, but mm-hmm. the other, like we have to pay attention to what we're attempting, you know, because mm-hmm. that attempting that pushing the edge, like you're talking about unveils a whole new mm-hmm. level of like, I'm experimenting with this thing. I'm doing the art piece also. And then I'm learning. And what he says is try something outside of your comfort zone outside mm-hmm. and like go do something new because that newness we, we learn very quickly, number one, but we also get humbled very, you know, like it's, it's, I think that's a really powerful thing that you said. It's not always what we're reading. What are you yeah. attempting? What are you trying? What are you working on? Because that might, that might grow you in a similar way. So thanks well, for sharing that. Yeah. Well, funny story. The first time I ever did a half marathon. So being a volleyball player, you don't run more than like mm-hmm. less than a basketball court, <laughs> yeah. you know, you don't really run. <laughs> and, um, it was my 30th birthday. This is after I'd got back gotten back like ACL surgery was five years before that my knee was never a hundred percent after that but I was like I need to do something like I'm turning 30 like what am I doing and um I decided to challenge myself I was like I'm gonna just do this Disney half marathon I'm gonna do it (laughs) signed up for it and it was (laughs) the most challenging couple months just training for that like I had never experienced that like that I've trained for sports I've trained for other things but specific training for half marathon is just a was a different skill set that I wasn't even used to and so you know if you're an athlete just trying a different sport and seeing how it relates to your other one (laughs) that's why I tell my youth athletes like try sports try a bunch of different ones you never know (laughs) well and I I think that's a good challenge for anybody Mm-hmm. right? Whether you're talking about your business athletes, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. We can grow so much from, we get in these times where we get on this track of self-help books or business books or leadership books or whatever. And like I told you, I was listening to a sports talk show podcast and it wasn't about mental skills or mm-hmm. it was, I mean, it was about football teams and are they performing, you know, it, and that was what triggered the thought of we're, we're drawn to the shiny, cool new thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And for me, it wasn't about the sports, even it was about our lives where it's like, how do we apply that? You know? And so challenging yourself. And like you said, the art of it is get outside of that comfort zone, experience things, try, and man, it's a good challenge for all of us. Mm -hmm. Well, Amanda, we are just super appreciative of you coming on, joining us, right? Thanks to Will again for connecting us because I think you gave a bunch of good stuff today. Boy, Will to... better be listening because if he isn't, people <laughs> yeah, Will better be listening. I'll, I'll reach out to him and let him know. <laughs> but thanks for joining us. We appreciate you today. Thanks for having me. I, this was awesome conversation and thank you guys for what you do. What a good challenge today from Amanda, Jamie, uh, to be curious always be trying stuff, be okay with it failing and, and really owning and finding your own story. I know I, that's kind of, I took your takeaway there, but I know you're going to go take it, take it where you want to in terms of owning that story. Yeah. Like this phrase, own it, 
right? Mm -hmm. It's so powerful because what we want to do is we want to place blame. We want to defer the attention. You know, like when you do something good, when you, when you're excellent at something, own the fact that you're good at that, like take confidence from it. That's, it's not just own the negative parts of our story. Sometimes I think we get so caught up in saying, this is who I am because of all the bad things that have happened. Well, these are also the good things that have happened. We should take confidence from, right. That should then give you the confidence to go and take more risks. And when we take more risks, we take more attempts at something. We automatically increase our likelihood of success because if we try none, right? The opportunity for success is zero. If we try a hundred, you know, we at least have some opportunity for success. It's infinitely more possible when we at least try something. So reminding ourselves, owning our story and saying, I've done good things. I've done bad things. When I get to the bad moments, I want to own it and say, this was my responsibility and I'm going to get better at it. And here's how I'm going to get better at it. I think Amanda gave us some really cool tools to implement, you know, that, that hard thing that I asked, it's really hard to step away from a podcast, a book, a session, and then go and implement the thing. Like we got to own that too. We got to own our responsibility in the process and, um, and not be listening to all the outside stuff. I think that's the big one for me. It's like, we need to listen to our stories. We need to listen to other people's stories. We don't need to then put a value judgment on top of it and say, this is good or this is bad. It just is. And then a, a good reminder toward living eyes up was for me was figure out what works for you and work back from that. Right. Yeah. And you know, that was kind of my whole point with the, the shiny, cool new thing. If it's not leading us to where we want to get to, whether it's our goals personally and our physical health and our mental health and our business, whatever, if it's not leading us to that end goal where we want to end up, who cares if it's cool and shiny and it works in the short term, yeah. right? And I think it was just a good challenge um, for no matter what you're working toward or what you're working on. You you hit it on the head completely. Like it might work for a time. It might work for 10 days. It might work for two weeks. It might work for, you know, like whatever. But at some point, if it stops working, stop doing it. I think that's that's the really hard part is like, oh, this has worked before. This is good before. Well, does it continue to work, right? Well, but also sometimes it works, but again, it takes you further away from, yeah, right? So it, it works, but at the detriment uh, in the end, because when it stops working, because it probably is going to, right? Then you're actually further away. So you've made some yeah. progress, but you're further from the actual thing. So well, we're golfers, John, sort of, you're a better golfer than I, Right. But I, I regularly hit the ball not towards mm. the goal, right? I Like I, mm -hmm. I have a pretty nasty slice. And so a lot of the times it ends up way right. And if the whole dog legs left, I got a lot farther to go than my intended just take out an iron, you know, like find out what works for seriously though, find out what works for you. If that analogy makes sense to you, cause you're a golfer run with it. If you need some other sort of thing, to make it land for you, sit with it, reflect mm -hmm. on it. You know, like all that stuff, we do not get better at these things unless we do the work. You know, like nothing works unless you do, do the work and then find out at each stage in the process, am I still on track? Do I want to continue to do it that way? Um, not easy, but really not that challenging, like complex. It's pretty simple. Simple, just not that easy. We appreciate you joining us today. 
check out Amanda's stuff. We have the links to her social and the website um, in, in the show notes here. So go check that stuff out if you're looking for resources or would like to connect with her. Also appreciate you connecting with us. Send us an email. It's probably the best. Eyesupmindset at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And we hope that you will join us next time. And as always, live eyes up.